Welcome to Canine Top Tales. I am your host, Sonia Nordstrom, a retired special agent of the FBI and a 26-year canine handler and trainer. This episode and the next few episodes of Canine Top Tales will be highlighting the amazing work and the histories of the consultants and instructors for American Tactical Aggregate Canine. These are top-tier canine handlers and trainers with law enforcement and military experience that is second to none. So without further delay, please join me with my first ATAC-9 guest, Steve Zane Stoops. So, Sonia, uh, you're one of my best friends personally and professionally in the dog world. So thus, this is going to be a difficult interview for me because you know my story better than anybody, and I'm embarrassed to sit here and tell you things that you've heard 10,000 times over several social engagements and working engagements, so bear with me. I've got to do a little play acting like I'm talking to a stranger, and it's hard. And you still always come up with tidbits that I didn't know. Okay. You told me a tidbit last night that I didn't know, so there's still plenty There's still plenty of secrets in Steve Stoops. Okay, but this, I'm just reiterating, it's not easy for me. Okay. When you've been in dogs for as long as Steve, where do you even start? It would take a day for each topic. So I am going to bullet down a list of background things um, and Steve can embellish or enhance that list as he sees fit but just to kind of bullet down it started as a US Marine Corps and combat veteran worked embassy security was a victim of terrorist attacks direct attacks while doing that founded two of the largest benevolent police canine dog programs Dad DAC and American Working Dogs. Dad DAC is Dogs Against Drugs, Dogs Against Crime. Publications of two working dog magazines. A full 20 year career as a police officer. So it wasn't just somebody who dropped in until their coffee never got cold. Expert federal witness in court on police canine matters. Uh, presidential award for police canine work. Awarded four medals of valor as a police officer. Stood up the canine protective detail for President Hamid Karzai in Kabul, Afghanistan, has served as a bodyguard for A-list celebrities. Uh, and this is all pre-2003. So what would you like to add to that list, Steve? Well, you forgot president of my high school junior class and runner-up for junior class prom prince. You were prom king? No, I didn't. I was runner-up for prom prince. You're not the king unless you get it as a senior junior um uh you also left out that i was an ffa indiana state dairy cow judger so why'd you leave those out i'm i'm sorry i was trying to stick those are biggies um i did leave out competed in gun dogs bird dogs didn't compete trained trained at a bird dogs schutzen and ring and french ring french ring all those things and and i'm sure there's a lot more Picking up with 2003 to the present, why don't you describe what your life has been well, in the canine world? Uh, post, uh, post 9-11, I was lucky enough to be contacted by Shannon Krieger uh, from uh, the United States Army Special Operations Command. And uh, he reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to help stand up a premier program in the, in the Department of Defense, and uh, that's where I've been uh, since 2004, up till now. 
as part of that, I'm pretty sure you have traveled the world and laid hands on a whole lot of dogs mm-hmm. and been with a whole lot of trainers mm-hmm. and guided a whole lot of trainers. Mm-hmm. Can we go back to your pre-2003? And do you have any, what I would call, life-shaping canine events? I uh, took on the name of my first dog. The dog that was the catalyst to everything was a little 50-pound Malinois named Zane Duchateau Kaufman that uh, was my first dog. And he made me what I am today because... I took a dog that you wouldn't describe as a recruiting poster for work dogs, but he was a little dog that could. And through him, everything came to fruition for me. And how about some of your dogs that got you through some tough fights, street fights? Then we would remember uh, Chester, who we called Chet, was a dog that I got from Mike Deal. Uh, My second dog that that when... uh, I re- when I had to replace Zane, uh, that saved my life on one notable occasion when a guy leveled a handgun at me in, at a distance of 10 meters, and I had to let Chet take care of that encounter because I didn't have a gun drawn. And I fell back onto the ground and released Chet, and he handled the situation for me, and that's why I'm sitting here today instead of in Memorial Lawn. Yeah, yeah that would be... <laughs> Um, so in terms of what you're doing now, your your role is predominant. I mean, it's trainer, yep. right? And you have stood up what programs around the world? I won't uh, name names, but I've stood up programs in uh, Scandinavia, uh, in England, uh, in South Asia. Um, and I think my strength is... Uh, building programs, building concepts, and seeing them through uh, to fruition to where they're effective on the battlefield. And what if, if there is some sort of a progression with that? It, does it start with selection? Everything starts with good dog selection, but also with, uh, with dog knowledge that can effectively uh, put programs on the, on the ground and making a battlefield effective in a short amount of time. Okay, and what's the fastest you've ever gotten a dog from kennel to battlefield? 18 days, 18 training days. That's not the uh, dream, but you don't go to war with the army you wish you had. You go to the ar- go to war with the army you have. And uh, that was, uh, I was, certainly wouldn't recommend it, do it in 18 days, but you have to do what you have to do when the chips are down. But that's taking uh, not a green dog, but a sport dog? A very talented sport dog from Europe, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that was... Uh, that uh, was able to do that. You couldn't do that with a, a lot of other dogs, but he was an extremely talented dog, so it was not a negligent deployment to send this dog in 18 days. And the handler was an experienced handler? The handler, I can't name his last name uh, because I haven't asked his permission, but his name is Rich, and you know Rich. Yeah. And uh, Rich is trained with you back in the early days. We're talking 04, but uh, Rich was able to do that with his skill. His skill as a handler. Yeah, yeah. and it is a team. It's a team effort, right. yeah. So I'm always a little bit jealous because I know that you're working with top-level people and top-level dogs. Yeah. And it's kind of a different game yeah. than what everybody else maybe gets. Yeah. And I think you mentioned that in your own department initially, 
people weren't going to Europe buying dogs. They weren't getting the cream of the crop. They were getting the PTA special. Yeah, yeah. The first dogs on my police department before I got into canine, uh, the the canine unit was four dogs, and I think they were backyard donated dogs. They looked scary to me at the time, uh, but now when I'm looking back on it, um, they were probably built like Tarzan and fought like Jane because they weren't finding a lot of bad guys back then. So having uh, getting a strong social dog like Zane uh, changed a lot of people's outlook on, on, the, on the direction of what kind of dogs we, we put with police departments. And, and how has your selection evolution changed over almost 30 years? Uh, I found out that when you know what you're looking for, it's uh, you see it when you see it. A, and to use an analogy from the Supreme Court, a good dog is like pornography. You know it when you see it. And the longer you test, the less you know. So when you say the longer you test, you mean the spreadsheets and check boxes or what do you mean yeah. by the long so test you have the advantage of you and i went on a on a bike trip together when we when we picked up a dog that nick in a in a country that we called it a gulag country it wasn't germany or holland um and you saw that the test for nick took less than 20 minutes we saw it we saw it when he walked when he walked up to us right yeah yeah so strong boy um but what i remember more actually i remember a specific picture in my head regarding Nick but what I remember more is that the shiny penny was a Malinois that a bunch loved and I remember that day yeah when that day we tested and that we dog were working on some weird stairs and some weird building and that dog was all blah you know everything was great and then you just threw a soda bottle and the dog went for it and that was the end of it yep and you and I have developed a towel what is the towel of that man is primary and this dog uh, went away from the man for another, we're using this for another shiny object. And Nick didn't, Nick was driving to the man. And Nick was young. Nick was young, he was a, just had gotten his IPO one, right? 14, 15 months? I a little older, was, was a little he? older. Okay. Ready for IPO one, yeah. I don't think he was tight, yeah. He might way. not have been, yeah, the time passes, he might not have been titled, but he was ready for IPO one. The bite work, he was doing a bark and hold on me, his obedience was snappy. Yeah. He was a well-trained dog, and we got we lucked into that dog because the guy that owned him was going through a divorce, and we're like, why would you sell such a wonderful dog that you've put a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears for, for a few thousand dollars? But he was social. Social, he was fine open, with fun, social, open, fun, reckless abandon, courage, yeah, the aggregate. Yeah. And quick um, recovery. Yeah. Because you put him up on a car, and he's like, ugh, and then he's like, okay. Yeah. He wasn't a 10 across the board during the test, was he? But he no. But he developed into uh, one of the best commando dogs or best dogs overall that I, I've ever worked with. Which brings me to, which I haven't mentioned, is you mentioned aggregate. So mm -hmm. we're combining resources and have developed um, American Tactical Aggregate Canine. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So that, you know, that happened. You and I were having a beer and, and uh, that's how Attack Canine came to fruition. Um, but the aggregate, the aggregate for the dogs and the people involved are, are uh, myself, you, and our instructor cadre possess the aggregate. They have uh, uh, some sport dog knowledge. Uh, they are, all of us are veterans of uh, bad situations going through that door late at night, uh, not chasing the penny, but chasing bad people. Um, so military, police, aggregate knowledge. 
And, and all of us add, have walked the walk. I would add a genuine care and concern for the safety of officers and soldiers. Totally. totally. That's, that's where it's coming from. Yep. Um, and the reason why I brought up ATAC is Nick is the dog in our profile mm -hmm. sitting in the bag up. Yep. They got position. Yeah, we love that dog. Yeah. Yeah. And he saved lives. And on, on a few occasions. Yep. Yeah. And he made the, and Nick paid the ultimate price, uh, the, the ultimate sacrifice mm -hmm. to save others and send them home so they can hug their families. Yeah. Um, what do you see as the biggest threat right now in, in the dog world, in whether it's, and, and I'm talking the professional dog world of law enforcement, tactical dog world, whether yeah. it's law enforcement or military. What do you see as the biggest threat? The biggest threat for me right now is the misapplication of the electric collar. I, 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 uh, I, I see a, a world that's coming where the electric collar is the dog supreme commander and not the handler, and I see it being used as the easy button, and I see that um, the application of it uh, is counterintuitive to the dog's natural proclivities. And how are you addressing that? Well, I can only address it how I do my own training. Um, uh, I have a relationship with the dog. That's the most important thing. Um, and I, the dog does everything for me because I teach it without an e-collar. I'm not anti-e-collar at all. I used to be a rep for Tritronics, was featured in their magazine years and years ago. But 25 years ago, I said that in those articles that the electric collar should be a director, not a corrector. And uh, I use it as an accelerator, not a brake pedal. And um, I don't want the dog bowing to this object on their neck. I want them to bow to me. And then I use the electric collar like a, like a bodybuilder would use concentration curls and lateral raises. I use it as a finisher, not my foundation. And we can go really deep into that if you want to. We don't have to. Okay. <laughs> but I, th I think, you know, you've been here for the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. We've just gotten through a detection school. Mm -hmm. And the focus has been drive building, drive building, drive building, and then capping. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody sort of misuses that word capping. Mm -hmm. But that is the basis of everything, right? You just mm -hmm. through the wall yeah. and then cap it down. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, we, 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 um, we worry about winning the war instead of signing the peace treaty. Uh, if that, that's kind of a strange analogy, but, uh, you know, this e-collar training that's going on is all about uh, zapping the dog off of bite suits, calling off, downing, when I think it should be hitting the accelerator, drive to the man, locate, dominate, let the dog get validated out on the street and then then introduce the e-collar as a finisher but not as the easy button okay let go of the toy because i daddy told you to yeah. uh, i'm very rarely ever going to call a dog off of a bite i'm going to go up and do the safe thing and choke the dog off again we could go we could spend two hours on this so i will just say build a relationship with your dog train your dog get him some successes before you instill inhibitions in the dog's head because of this foreign object that's gonna zap him. Well, even yesterday we were, it was kind of the decompression day because mm -hmm. everybody had tested successfully. It's a detection school. 
And so yesterday we were back in the barn having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, my horse was getting a grip on the suit, which mm-hmm. was fun. You got the horse to bite. You got the horse to bite. Um, but it was it was fun to watch. Let the dog dig in. They've been living in a crate for three weeks. They're a little pent up. And then after he had kind of gotten rid of that, it was a it was an obedience exercise where it was not compulsed. It was motivated. You do the right thing, you get what you want. Yeah, you have fun. And what do I always say? It's if it's not fun, it's not worth doing. I want my dog to have fun and not work under duress, worried that he's going to get 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 zapped. Um, another thing that has sort of been a theme through the week is that you know your old guard. I think I think um, the other people that are coming into the ATAC, you know, consultant cadre of instructors, it's people who have walked the walk. Yeah. And you've expressed several times that you're concerned that it's a dying art, that it's being replaced by the next new, the next big thing. Or, and from my perspective, whether it's likes and follows, the shiny penny, what do you have to say about that? I have to say, like, I am open-minded. I'm not, uh, I will, if I see something good, I will cross policy pollinate with other trainers I'm not closed-minded but I'm not a fool don't piss down my back and tell me it's raining Uh, I see correlate what's going on in the dog world right now with if you're into fitness uh, going to YouTube or Instagram now there are 500 videos on how to do a simple dumbbell curl that's what's happening with dog training they everybody uh, wants to capitalize on things so they're taking a two-step processes and they're turning them into turning them into 20-step processes. Um, Clever people make the complicated seem easy. Unclever people make the easy complicated. And so the over-complication, Cape complicationing, you can tell I went to Ball State University, uh, is is rampant out there. It's hard when you're new Mm -hmm. to find. I, I think early in your career, because you did the dad deck, and you started it, I think it got you exposure, huge exposure, Mm -hmm. to others. Not meaning that you were being exposed to them, but that you got to see what was Yeah, I had, uh, yeah, that was my vehicle to to going to Europe and, uh, you know, uh, living, spending time in Europe and and seeing seeing the foundation work over there was priceless for me, for my knowledge. And also, um, I know there's tons of police officers out there that get into a lot of stuff, so it's not unique to me. But my, I honed my training principles. Well, I told you the other day that my, the tragedies have turned into my triumphs in, in dog training. That's, that's the Tao of Zane, um, is built built on uh, my my foundational the people that taught me young when I was a young guy and also, the uh, incidents that I was involved in with dogs and that I've that I've seen up to this day. I continue to evolve. I continue to change. But I stay to the basic tenets that I believe in. Um, can I use an analogy with you? Please. So uh, a long time ago, not a long time ago, recent past, I guess, within the f- past five years, somebody that was going to a lot of the shiny objects said, you know, Steve, you're closed-minded. And I said, I'm not closed-minded, but if we want to put it in a re- religion analogy, uh, I'm, by the way, I'm not religious, but a re- religion analogy is that I'm a Christian. I always will be, but I will read the book of, I will read the the Quran. I'll read a little bit of 
the book of Zen, Buddhism. Uh, I'll read the uh, Old Testament, but however, I'm still a Christian. I'm not going to change my religion. Too many people are changing their religion and, you know, falling for some of this stuff that's going on out there. And that, if that's, if you think that's closed-minded, it's not. It's my eyes are open. Well, I think you have an advantage of real-life experiences mm-hmm. yeah. and, and constantly troubleshooting those real-life experiences, yeah, right? Yeah. It, it, What's the big buzz, buzzword out in the dog training right now that people are capitalizing as special operations, right? Yeah. You'll, you'll, you're hearing me say that right here, but I just say tactical dogs because... The community that I'm in now didn't define me as a dog trainer. I had a, you know, a, a pedigree prior to that. But right now, uh, people are capitalizing on the valor, blood and sweat of a small number of people that put those programs together. And uh, what I'm trying to say is when you're, be, be wary because there's people out there that are, that are saying special ops dog trainers and they pose with wearing camouflage utilities, uh, posing around helicopters, uh, might even sling a weapon across their chest, but they have never done it. They've never been in the military. They've never been a police officer. They've never served something bigger than themselves going to that lake, that door at night like, like so many of us and our friends have. And uh, what they're doing is that's like if I'm a uh, pharmaceutical salesman selling Viagra to the medical officers, but offices, but yet I put on my website a picture of me with a stethoscope wearing a doctor's smock. It's the same thing that they're doing. And I'll, and uh, people just need to have their eyes open. It's it's hard not to gravitate to the shiny penny. I'm guilty of it. We all are. I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, prote- I'm protective of it. You had Shannon Krieger on your podcast. Shannon Krieger. Shannon's the, going to be on the The podcast. number of people that put together the techniques that are applied right that 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 were applied during this past 15 years of war 20 years of war the people that started these programs you can count on less than one hand the people that developed the tactics and the training principles are less than one hand uh but i told you before the interview like i'm going to spray some bug spray on some of the bugs out there that are chirping and here i'm chirping but i'm just saying we've We've been gritting our teeth watching this the past several years, and you asked the question, so I'm going to answer it. I'm not here to make people happy. You know, if I wanted to do that, I would sell ice cream. I'm just telling you the truth. Well, I think um, the old guard uh, has been under wraps for a long time, mm-hmm. right? They're out doing the job, and they're. I don't not like to say old guard. It. I like to say the the, the worker bees. Uh, we've we've flown under the radar, and. Uh, uh, and as you can see, if they get on, if they go into ATAC, they'll see people that were that uh, that are unleashed, finally unleashed, right? I guess, yeah. Or we've decided to because you know now the pace is slowing down out there, and we love to create. You know, the, we're creating something. Um, we're gonna have our own Tao. You know, myself, you, Jimmy Hall, Fred, Rob. You know, just good people. Shannon, uh, Avi. Yeah. Um, people that put that will never put privilege over principle. Yeah. And we talked about that today. You know, it's, it's, we're in this because we love it. Beyond the dogs, though, I think the, the goal is to protect officers and military. The, uh, the police officers are going through a rough time today. Terrible. Um, I'd love to go down that rabbit hole. 
So um, the thing, the, the theme now is this innocent person that was uh, passively resisting the police officers. Yeah, no, everybody that's tried to kill me has been a passive resistor. Um, first of all, do what the police tell you to do. That's not hard, but they're canonizing these guys that uh, I can give you several examples. Um, the down, motionless, seemingly compliant person is the guy that's going to kill you. Uh, I had a guy in a car that uh, all I had at that point was he had loud music coming out of his car. And uh, also there was a, we had neighbors report that there was shots fired in the area, but that wasn't, we didn't know if this car had anything to do with it or not. And loud music in his car, sit and relax. And I told him several times, step out of your car, step out of your car. And he was passive resistor. And he came up with the Desert Eagle 45 and took a shot at me. And luckily, uh, his weapon jammed and I was able to, to, to uh, be victorious in that encounter. Um, and you had a dog with you on that encounter. I had a dog, but a new dog. That, and that's where our nemonistic dog training style of ATAC, that was one of the... Catalysts. That was a catalyst that, uh, you know, the, the, the triumph that was built out of the tragedy. Um, so all of my, most of my successes or most of my training principles are built on a on a foobar. Yeah. Um, I told you I was stabbed in, uh, in the 90s. Uh, a, uh, a young gentleman in the neighborhood that would be canonized today uh, was compliant, no weapons seen. Not compliant, he was being, uh, I wanted to take him into custody, but he didn't have any weapons. And when I grabbed him, he came out with a blade and stabbed me in the face and the chest. Uh, and your dog? Had, had I dog bit this guy, which I wish I would have, but look, look what, look, uh, look how they would judge me. So, basically, in a nutshell, the police leadership, they need to back their officers. And, uh, like I said with Robert, go to Walmart and buy a backbone. I'm, I'm so tired of policemen and people, uh, um, just making up this false narrative that policemen are out hunting young innocent men. Uh, and I will be the first to say the thing with George Floyd was wrong. It made me sick. And every good cop that I know, and you, we were yeah. sickened by what happened to George Floyd. But And also concerned with the repercussions to every police officer now. That was wrong on every level. Yeah. But because of it, now police officers are going to get killed because yeah. they're going to say, I can't be... We used to, When I came through the academy, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by yeah. 6. Right now, being judged by 12 is not a good option. And it's kind of a catch-22. So, and, and we're seeing more that are getting killed. I, I bleed blue, as you do. Yeah. We bleed blue. And, you know, I'm a little older now. My time coming to the sunset. And I'm going to fight for police officers and the military uh, on my way out. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm, I'm not a sheep. But I also think, um, back to dogs, um, <laughs> I think that there is, let me just have I have been lucky because I have had people to train with. I've, it's, been, it's been based on where I've lived, the luck of who I bumped into, the fact that I recognized it as good, and it shaped me. It's, it's my training imprint was on good people, right? It was, it was people in Southern California, Los Angeles County Police Canada Association. It was you, it was Kenny had the ability to see quality dogs, quality people. I didn't start until, you know, 95, and you were ahead of that. Um, 
but that's been sort of my canine imprint. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a canine imprint. Not everybody has that advantage. Mm -hmm. And I think now, with with the internet, with social media, there's so much um, uh, tactical, for lack of a better, um, judgment based on likes and follows. Here's the bottom line. I've been through hundreds of doors, violent criminals, bank robbers in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. child predators. I still don't consider myself a tactical wizard. My strength in dogs is detection. Yeah. I'm not a tactical person. Yeah. But, but there's people out here who have done nothing but play on a sport field who think they're going to teach tactics to police. Yeah. And they're out there. There's good people good out technique, there. Good technique, right? Yeah, but look, I, I want to focus, pause real quick. Uh, Dusty Lehman. From there's Apple. the future. That's the future right there. You got Cody Talon out there. There, are, there are people out there, and that, that, and there's some good things about the new ways. But I'm just saying the foundational. Are the dogs better now than they were in 1995? No, they're not. They're not. I think selection is different. Yeah. I think goals are different. Yeah. Right. It was. It was what you want. The but what I'm saying is, you, back then you would see dogs doing obedience, letting go of toys, and not not the go-to tool is the e-collar control. When is? Right. Have you ever seen me with any collar control in my hand? No. Okay, Actually, I use yeah. them, yep. but it's my finisher. Yep. Um, but then when you look at awesome departments that I, I am aware of, Albuquerque, God bless those guys, and they have they they have an awesome program. In Scott and Anthony up at NYPD, you know, there's mm -hmm. it's it's there's still a lot of people out there doing it right. Um, so I don't want to be the old curmudgeon. Um, Tell us about FBI HRT. Early on, and I'll just I'll try to be as. Um, What's the word? Ambiguous? Yeah. Um, Shannon Krieger and I, and and I don't have permission to use this guy's name, uh, Calvin. I'll just say his first name. We assisted putting the HRT dog program together. Shannon and I went to Europe, and we bought Freddie and Booger. And we a had Malin, the, a German Shepherd. A Malawan, a German Shepherd. Uh, and... Um, I actually put my giant schnauzer, uh, rising schnauzer, the creep, with uh, with with that unit, and uh, we we conducted Calvin and Shannon and I conducted the initial training and, and helped them uh, set their program up, and they had initial success. Um, they lost Freddie. They lost Freddie, and he saved he saved a bunch of uh, HRT guys. Um, you hate it that they pass away, but he. he he was a hero, and Booger did heroic things. And I got to say that those guys are squared away. I, it was a joy working with them. And all praise goes to Stan and Paul, the plank holders of that of that unit. Yeah. Um, tell us about Creep. So, so let me just preface this by saying, Steve gets dogs, gives dogs away, trains up dogs, gives them away. Most generous person on the planet but eh. creep creep is the dog that has held your heart above any other yeah i i uh i told you we got a little misty-eyed earlier today like on my I, I believe one of my last conscious thoughts in my life on my deathbed will be a creep you know of course my children but yes, i mean but creep <laughs> uh, so creep was a rising schnauzer giant schnauzer uh and uh i didn't know anything about him i went to a when i was here working where i work currently we have the the budget and we had cool bosses that let us go and learn. 
Uh, they even sent us to Lion Training School, and you were a part of that. Yeah. You were the you were the uh, nexus for that. Uh, that's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I went down to Florida to a seminar, and uh, one of the instructors down there was uh, Armin Winkler, and I'd never met him, and he had a giant schnauzer with him named Butzel, and I never saw a working giant schnauzer, and I saw him do some work on a, on a bite suit with a guy, and I thought, wow, that's impressive. What a cool dog. Armin and I uh, struck up a friendship, and I invited him in uh, to do some work where we work, and I also uh, recommended him because he's really good in a suit to, to rattle a dog, and I also uh, introduced him to a couple of other units uh, to do his suit work. But anyhow, he, he was a friend, and I called him on the phone one day, and I said, uh, what are you up to, buddy? And he said, I'm busy. I've got a, a litter of 11 Schnauzer puppies on the ground. And I said, oh, wow, I'm curious. How much do you want for them? He said the price, and he said, Steve, I'll, I'll give you one for nothing. And I went, wow, that'd be cool. So I went down, and I got this little Schnauzer puppy, and he grew up where I work currently, uh, every day going to work with me, flying in helicopters, uh, exposed to all the sounds on training ranges, you know, explosions, uh, developed all this bite work, and he is the only rising schnauzer I know of that was ever with a top-tier counter-terrorist unit. And I got him back. Uh, he, he went on loan to the to HRT. For how long? Uh, about six months uh, because they had a dog that, that failed in training, and uh, so... Uh, I allowed them to take creep and, and, and for six months and then with the, with the understanding that I would get him back. And then, uh, and then when I got him back, he's my best friend and uh, he's 14 years old now. But what a great dog. And uh, I th I'm a fan of the, of the giant schnauzers. Yeah. yeah, well, when some, I mean, you've worked Bouviers? I had a Bouvier uh, that had a, this is, he's unique, Tommy. His name was Tommy. He had a, IPO one title and a, and a, and a KMPVPH one title. Got him. He's from Holland. Ken Licklider, my one of my best friends, the best man of my wedding, uh, hooked me up with him. And uh, it's funny. Can I get on Ken Licklider for a minute? Please. Who are my two best friends? Mike Reaver from Adler Horse Canine. Ken Licklider from Von Lick, the two biggest competitors in the dog world. Yeah. I actually introduced them. I, uh, I thought it was going to be like Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. We were in Nashville at a canine conference. I said, I got to have my two buddies meet each other because they're so much alike, just good, fun people. And uh, they actually sat down and we drank a whiskey and nobody got in a fight. And we all love <laughs> we all love each other, but it's funny because Ken and Mike try to put each other out of business on a daily basis. But that's ironic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, but anyhow, so Tommy had two titles. Uh, one of the hardest biting dogs uh, that I've ever caught, a uh, snappy obedience, snap, crackle, pop. However, I took him back to the police department. Tommy was narcoleptic. He would sleep in the police car, which was unsat for me because uh, back in those days, this is uh, later 90s, we had a, uh, we, the city I worked in was known as the crack cocaine capital of the world, and the HBO actually did a special on it. And it was dangerous, and I was shaking down suspected gang members from the Black Gangster Disciples. They were the ones funneling the crack cocaine through. And so it would be nice to have my dog pay attention when I would get people out, leave my slide open. If I needed him, he could jump through, jump through the window, help me. But Tommy would fall asleep and snore, and I would like, what the heck? And uh, I used to 
for for a laugh, you know, we would when Tommy was sleeping in the car, we would you guys listening to this out there are too young to remember the band The Who, but they had a rock opera called Tommy, and I used to get in the car and go, Tommy, can you hear me? Tommy, can you see me? But so I fired him. Yep. Long, yeah. But yep. he was cool. Yeah. What um, other What other breeds? Uh, Shepherds so, are kind of your favorite. Right? Yeah, but I had a Dutch Shepherd named Brondo. Do you remember Brondo? I don't remember. He's the one that died getting bit by uh, copperheads. Oh, I don't remember him. So Brondo was a dog that did not hit full on the sleeve. He was actually a he was returned to the kennel by Charleston, South Carolina Police Department. They bought him as a straight drug dog, and he had a little hip hip. Their vet found a hip issue, so they sent him back to the kennel. And I was up there. Remember when I said, you know it when you see it? Yes. It was in this dog's eyes. And when he first bit the sleeve, he mouthed it. But he was all forward. He was, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to make it seem right. And and uh, Brondo turned into an awesome patrol dog that took down 250-pound men. However, again, I gave him away. There was a uh, policeman, uh, BJ, I know his first name, BJ Johnson in Tennessee. I gave him to BJ. And Ken Licklider was part of this too because Ken had a, has a benevolent heart yeah. and BJ got him and Brondo was on an area search out in the woods and went into a nest of uh, copperheads and got bit like 13 times and he's a beautiful dog he was a beautiful dog I, his nickname was the perfume prince because he was so proper looking <laughs> such a nice dog but he was a warrior yeah 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 and then who who else did you you had Few, I mean, a so, lot, so right? the dogs, my best dogs, and as as a police officer, yeah. were Zane, because that's special heart. The best police dog I've worked was was Chester, that okay. that shepherd that I got from Deal. Brondo is right up there, and then Oscar, the dog that was in the gunfight with me, later turned into a hero. And he, when you were in the gunfight, the gunfight at the car. Okay, I've been car. in a couple of gunfights, okay. but the gunfight in the car. So which was it, Chester that was muzzled when he took down the knife guy? That was Zane. That was Zane. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then. Uh, um, yeah, so I, and then, uh, dogs in between there that weren't, I had ones that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy, another German shepherd named Dex. I had a Malinois so ugly, uh, that I got, he, that I got, he was so ugly that I named him Yuck. And, uh, I had him, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't squeeze a lot of juice out of that lemon. So it wasn't all, you know, I had dogs that didn't make it that looked good on initial testing, but such is the dog life. But look at Vigo, your dog. This yep. past week where he got in, in, in two days, the divine light. That reminds me of the way Brondo was. You know, we were doing, if you can enlighten him one too, but we were doing some nemonistic, serious, personal. Yeah. I was getting personal with your dog. And, you know, a lot of dogs, what can they do? Most dogs can do two things. They can jump forward and jump back. Right. And uh, Vigo, but you saw how fast he, that, he switched. That, that'll put Brondo into context for you. Brondo yeah. was a Vigo. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it. So can you talk about the nemonistic thing? Nemonistic thing. So uh, when you're watching and it was even that it's not just the new people. Everybody's done it. They don't most if you're wearing a bite suit, that's not personal to a dog. Uh, the saying is. Prey will get you there. Fight will keep you there. Um, I want I do the bulk of my training without equipment on and I make it personal. I'm a nemesis. I'm not and your the friend bulk of your testing. The bulk, when I go to Europe to test dogs, I do very little in, little in, in equipment. I know they're going to do that. Any KMPB dog is going to bite a suit. Any IPO dog is going to whack a sleeve. Let, let's take the gear away. 
and uh, go man to man and see see where you're at. You don't have to be a you can as long as you're not fading and jumping back. You don't have to bite me, but just look like the optimist with that light in your eye. Uh, but nemonistic training is. I will do annoying things to you. You know, I don't want you. I don't like you, and you shouldn't like me. If I am giving the behavior of the bad man and the bad men that I have seen in my life, okay? Bad people are motionless, evading capture, or they are moving in a pensive matter manner when they are coming to you and your dog. Pensive worry, you know, not reaching right in. And I teach the dog to trigger on behavior, trigger on human behavior. Nice people, open people, don't need to get bit, right? Right. But but shady, suspicious, pensive, weird-acting people, your dog should be on guard for that, and you can't teach that in a suit because the dog gets lost in the suit. It's like, uh, um, yeah, um, I don't know the, a good correlation for that, but the suit is a neon sign that says, bite me, it's not serious. But you've seen how I can make I can make the suit serious, and you see how I do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, there are th ways to do it. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. And then targeting. Well, you, I give them uncomfortable, uncomfortable targets. Yeah. But I make it comfortable for them. I, I want yeah. them to have fun. If the dog, if the dog isn't having fun in what I'm doing, and success, and success, then I'm wrong on how I do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had had um, conversation when I did protection sport, and there were some of us who had conversations about dog training keeps evolving, and are we? We're devolving. There's the gulag dog that he won't make it out of the gulag if he's not totally strong. Then there's the dog that maybe, I don't know if it's a maturing thing or if it's a, if it's a confidence building thing. But there are dogs that are not really strong enough, but they can kind of But we can make them strong. Built. Some dogs you can't. Can't pull it out no matter what. Yeah, you can, but there are a lot of dogs that are turned down on testing. Uh, remember a few good men? When Jack Nicholson said we have to train the lad, I think I remember reading that somewhere. I, every dog I buy isn't, they've got chinks and holes in them. Yeah. My job as a dog trainer is to develop it. So I've taken dogs and that and developed them into monsters, you know. Um, monster's a bad word, a gorilla. But uh, um, so developing, you know, developing and training relationship, you can take a dog that he just he just wasn't aware he had this in him. And if I can bring that out, I will. And user-friendly dogs. I want to select user-friendly dogs also. I think it's also worth pointing out that there are people where you work now, they don't want to be distracted by a dog, yeah. right? In a SWAT, in even a SWAT situation, right? I mean, granted, canine handlers generally put in for yeah. it, and that's what they want. Yeah. But the dog cannot be the focus, Yeah. right? So right. the dog yeah. has to function. So yeah, he's got to be. So some people, like, uh, well, we were we were talking that in any group of people you're training, you're gonna have one person that is a dog trainer. I'm talking about yeah. out of the students, that bright yeah. light that's the dog trainer, and you've got other people that just want to have a dog something and a, a good tool. And I'm down with it. I don't disagree with it. They just yeah. give me a tool that I can. Yeah. What's in our sport? Run in house, locate, dominate. Run in field, locate, dominate. Uh, that's it. So get get me a dog that I can manage to the X and deploy in close quarters yeah. with other people without having to have. Yeah, I don't want to be a dog scientist. I don't want to learn about proprioception or classical conditioning. Just give me a dog where I can execute my mission, 
I get that. Yeah. So those are the people I need to find user-friendly dogs for. Uh, a rough dog, you know, I'm going to give to us to my most skilled guy that, that is really intrigued by dogs. I'll give him the the dog that he's got to teach him, you know, that little harder to manage, right? Yeah. But never hard to manage at detriment or safety to the handler. I don't buy handler-aggressive dogs. i got no place for them in my cop world and my tactical world. I'm I'm not going to get in a dick measuring contest with a dog because uh, there's... Cause there's Plenty of dogs out there that are open and happy that I can work with. Yeah, I'm getting all wide-eyed now. I'm preaching. It's all good. I'm giving the gospel. It's all good. Hallelujah. Um, and and this would not be complete without the story of Baby Grandpa. So that's Baby Grandpa is who cemented our deep 25-year friendship. So you and I met at the Los Angeles Police Canine Association. You were the secretary. And I, you guys had me out to for seminars, to, for, for seminars and, uh, and I met did your you ride fir- a racing thoroughbred, rode a racing thoroughbred, <laughs> very fast, went to Hollywood and danced at the Crush Bar. Um, so you had your dog Nico, your your uh, your cadaver dog, and what what all skills did he have? Cadaver. He, he was live and dead. Okay. And he had it was a year after the Pentagon. Did you do SAR with him too? That was it. Yeah, yeah. live SAR and dead. Yeah. So you and like you guys that. did the Pentagon. So. Yep. Uh, so that tragedy happened at, after 2001. Right? Actually, so, I picked up Grandpa from you mm-hmm. September 11th weekend of 2002. So you and I met in like 97-ish, and I would come every year to the LA CPA, Los Angeles County Police Canine Association, Frank Miller, our boy. Yep. And so you and I had a really good friendship. We talk on the phone all the time. You lost Nico in a tragedy. And at that same, that, during that time, I was raising a Dutch Shepherd puppy, and whose initial name was Machine, and I took, I was shaping him the way I would want to build my own dog. And you were intrigued by Dutch Shepherds at the time. I wanted one. That yeah. was already my plan was to because Tony Viro yeah. had Bear, who was like a werewolf. Yeah. And I, I was coveting that dog. Yeah. So I'm raising the dog. And I named him Baby Grandpa after a silly cartoon that was on TV that I thought it was funny because one of the characters, they had a baby and they named it. They said, we're going to name it after our grandpa. What are we going to name it? Baby Grandpa. So I thought that was funny. And then I was raising him. I was raising the ultimate patrol dog. I was going to, he was going to be my police dog that I raised from puppyhood to adulthood. Then I heard Nico had that terrible tragedy where he jumped off the parking garage. And I thought, I got to give this dog to Sonia. And you flew to Indiana. We spent a couple of days, and the rest is history. You made him turn his name into Drago, Drago the Wonder Dog. Yeah. How many, did you put a French ring title on him? No, he Just, never outed. I got a BH. Okay. It was a big deal. Took yeah. me forever. And he was, he was a bona fide, um, you know, cadaver dog. What he title did you put clients. on Wrecker? A Wrecker was a, um, I, I didn't do the one on him. Wrecker's the son of Grandpa. Wrecker's the son of Grandpa. Drago. Yeah, yeah. and Wrecker, Drago's wife. So I did the, the just a French ring, uh, the brevet and the one on her, and then did a little bit of Mondio, and then I, I ended up stopping because it, um, because men in suits look a lot, because I was working search and rescue, and men in suits and men in fire turnouts look a lot like men in bite suits. So Especially I a French bite suit. Yeah. So I thought, hmm, that's kind of crossing a line. So he got his, um, 
he got his brevet and uh, only lost a half a point. But I had a lot of fun and learned a lot from it. Yeah. So my first sport club was a French ring club. When it's, I got Zane, I had no sport. nobody to help me. There was it's a good sport. until I ran into Ken and Mike Deal, I had nobody to help me. Yeah. And uh, Cheryl Carlson up in Lansing, Michigan, very kind to me, and I took my little Malinois. I didn't know what French ring was from Shinola, but that was my first dog sport. I didn't put, I didn't title him, but they were they were really helpful to me. It's a lot of good learning. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of good learning. If you were looking at a dog sport, you knew nothing about dogs. If I watched French ring dogs, I would be. That's the dog I want. You know what I mean? Because the, I'm saying precision. The, the precision. It was. It's like it's a. I think it's the most fun dog trial to watch by far. And I watched. Yeah. I was in Belgium at the Devil's Tower Kennel, with uh, with Mike Reaver actually, and we went to the French Ring Club there and watched their training night. I'm like, you know, that's some dog training. It is, but you pointed out that it's not particularly what we, you would choose from for police work right my i i, I like uh i think people out here are going to be shocked and it's we can all disagree my best dogs came have came from ipo and i bought a ton of kmpv dogs love them but i've had more luck uh transitioning an ipo dog why um, do you think to the man because a lot of people would say oh they're just sleep dogs they're gonna yeah. chase the arm you know why what? do you think that is I, I can see why they why they think steve soups is full of crap when i make that statement but i've been able to take ipo dogs you know the hardest thing for a dog to do in a real encounter is to bite a real man the first time and if you say baloney then you haven't handled dogs on the street or on a real on a real objective a down motionless man um so a KMPV, here's what I think, my opinion. The KMPV dog is grows up biting a suit his whole life, right? Then he's got to make the jump to the man, and you can't make that happen until the real situation. Right. You follow me? Right. An IPO dog never... Uh, the IPO dogs that I've, that I've bought in Germany uh, or in Holland or in Slovakia, most of them have never seen a bite suit. So it's sleeve, sleeve, sleeve. If I can get a dog in testing, an IPO dog, to jump, to go and bite the suit, he's never seen it. That jump from a sleeve to the suit is as big as the KMPV's jump from the sl- suit, suit to the to man. Me. So the bridge is shorter. So I've, I've, I've uh, um, well, Nick so the you, Dick was an IPO almost, dog. You can almost be fooled, right? Because you'll think the dog is strong on a suit, but he was raised on a suit, kind of? Yeah. And, but I'm telling you that it's not a cowardly thing on the KMPV dogs. I'm saying that transition, no. that bridge to go to the real man, I think is shorter if I can put an IPO dog. Now, if I go yeah. sleeve, if I go sleeve to man with an IPO dog, then I'm going to have the same problem, right? Right. But getting him to jump and bite me. So you me, really can't test, I guess. is That's kind of my point. But I see it on my testing. How, I don't buy an IPO dog. I test a, I'll put a suit on over there and see like how, how long it takes me to get him to get me, tap me in the belly. Tap me in the chest. Let's see if you do it. Mm-hmm. That's a huge leap for an IPO dog. And uh, uh, not huge. I know, come on, my, fellow, my brother trainers that, out there. If he can do the bridge that. is shorter to a real man. And, yeah. and, I, and, the, and the It tells you a lot the, about the people, that can yeah, do that. The, the good dog trainers out there are smelling what I'm stepping in right now. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they, they understand what I'm saying. You were saying that, like, you know, if, if you've got a dog, oh, that's well, activating, I, I'm gonna, it's activating on a if leg. I'm If I'm a SWAT officer yeah, and we're running, my guys, we're clearinghouse running through, you know, the legs are at eye level uh, with the dog. 
And if the dog's proclivity is legs, maybe, maybe that's going to up the chances of a good guy getting bit. Maybe, maybe not. You know, Bob would probably have buy-in on that, want to, want to set me straight on that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying that my, but to me, that's like uh, an IPO dog running through and everybody's been over um, presenting an arm to the dog. You know, maybe, maybe the dog perceives it that way. So I'm just saying when I'm picking my tactical dogs, I need all the, uh, I need all the insurance I can buy that they won't tag a good guy. Right. And that, and the, uh, the dog, the, the French ring dog wouldn't be wrong. It wouldn't be a mistake of the, the head, you know, like it would mm-hmm. be a mistake of the heart. Like I'm sure you could train out of it. Oh yeah. I'm just too lazy to want to spend the time to do it. Okay. How's that? Bob, I'm lazy. <laughs> yeah. Cheryl Carlson, I'm lazy. I love, I love the ring dogs. Yeah. Well, and I, I do think that, um, in ring, um, I think that by the nature of the requirements of the sport, mm-hmm. I think you do have to build in greater inhibition mm-hmm. in the dog. And I, I know the dogs are bullets and I know they blow through, but I think that you have to build a really thinking dog yeah. that has that on switch for inhibition, yeah. which I don't know how that plays out. So I will see Bob Suleimani here in about three weeks. Sulemini. Sulemini. Sorry, Bob. Sulemania. Sulemini. <laughs> um, but remember when we were in Utah and he was the decoy yes. for that trial? He got crushed. He crushed all day. I'm like, he, how does he, he broke a reed over a dog? How does he? How, how does he still? Why isn't he on a walker right now? You know, I was like, I respect. Yeah. But so we'll. Uh, I'm going to see what he thinks about that. And I'm going to ask yeah. him in person. Be interesting. Yeah. So at this point, um, if 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 you want to hear everything about Steve's background and more about his training philosophies. Um, He did recently do a a podcast with Robert Cabral and they talked um, and lots of good buddy chat in our, in our show notes. I'll have links to American Tactical Agri Canine. Basically it's it's an amazing cadre of instructors offering sort of full courses Bites and Ballistics is sort of combining the incredible tactical operator with Steve's canine, um, tactical canine knowledge. There's Knuckle Draggers. Canine Combatives. That's, canine the, combatives, that's my little sport dog gig. Which is kind of geared toward the civilian sport dog person to sort of bring in that nemonistic. Yeah, um, just some reali- reality-based. Reality based. Yeah. You know, not acting... So much like a decoy, but acting like a bad guy. So people... Less equipment, right? Less equipment. We do equipment. Yeah. Yeah. The but also pup- teaching the dog that they don't have to rely on it. Right, right. And we, But we raise the puppies the same way we raise sport puppies. So it's all slip and carries for the babies. All that. Any, any IPO person would be at home up until adulthood. And then we change it a little bit to tweak it to our sport, which is protect the family. Right. But I love IPO. I mean, I, I'm down with it. That's where I made my, you know... Train with Mike Deal, yep. Thomas I, Haas. I, I just, having been in the sport world for a while, I know that there's always that discussion and that question of, is my dog real? Will it be real? Will it protect me if it needs to? And I think a lot of people have that question. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice opportunity to maybe get a feel for where mm-hmm. your dog stands in that regard. Might yeah. surprise you one way or the other. Right. Um, and then, of course, detection. And then the dual purpose combining yeah. of it. So detection is the power on the X. Yep. Drive, power, drive. Drive, power, drive. Locate, dominate. Prey will get them there. Fight will keep them there. 
And the Tau of Zane. And the Tau of Zane, so... And the Tau of Atac. And the Tau of Atac. <laughs> so we have our own Tau. Yeah. And uh, the first Tau is if it's not fun, it's not worth doing. And serious minds are the refuge of the mediocre. And I'm quoting Oscar Wilde. Thank you, Oscar. But anyways, it's fun, and I love you, and it's so much fun talking to you. I'm sorry I bored you. You know all this stuff. No, it's good. So. It's always, There's always a new gem in there. And I guess we'll close it there. So thank you so much, and I hope everybody...